Amen. Well, guys, grab a Bible. And we're going to be in the book of Acts tonight, uh, continuing our study, just making our way through the book of Acts chapters at a time or half chapters at a time sometimes, which is where we are right now. We did half of chapter last week. We're going to finish chapter 10 uh, this evening and longing in the midst of it that God would take his word in a fresh way and just connect it to you, make it life to you, help in the midst of this. And so just quick encouragement, uh, as we say consistently, it is a Bible study. We hope you have a Bible. Um, Open one up. You know, if you brought it, if you didn't, there's Bibles in front of you. You can use an electronic app. If you have that, you're going to open up the Bible. But one way or another, be in the Word of God so that God's Word can work into you. And we're longing that you'd be able to hear it, see it, and be a part of that. That's true here. If you're joining us online, same invitation. Don't just listen. Have a Bible. Follow along. Let it be that God would open up His Word to you in a way that just connects His truth right now to where you are. So we want to ask God's help in that, uh, just really humbling ourselves there and just admitting our need for that. I'm going to lead in prayer, but I'm inviting you to pray that God would take his word and just weave it into your heart where you're needing to hear it this evening. Father, we think about your word, and it's truth, accuracy, and life. God, thank you that it's more than a story. It's more than just reading words on a page. Your word changes us, transforms us. I love that. And I just recognize the need of that in my life. I recognize the need in that in us this evening. And yet, Lord, I also recognize right now our desperate need for you to do that, that you would speak your word to us, that it would be that which is supposed to be emphasized by you, made clear by you, Lord, that you would help us to see what you're wanting us to see and then weave it into our life. Lord, you know us. We're, we're, we're in different spaces, every one of us. And that which you have for us, it's different. But what an amazing God you are that can weave that tonight into a way that we're following along in this and yet hear from you. God, I'd like to hear from you. I'd like us to hear from you this evening. And I'm just praying that you would cause that to happen, uh, that you'd open up our hearts and minds and souls to you in a fresh way, and your word to us. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 10 is where we are this evening, and in many ways, it's a continuing story. Now, that's a little bit, right off the bat, a challenging moment because we want to pick up a story right where we left it off last week, that we're in an incredible space, incredible space in the book of Acts, and it's weaving together, well, really three different stories. If you were with us last week, we began to unpack it, and in the midst of what was happening in history at this moment, God was, is weaving three different stories that I want to draw your attention to that we saw last week, we're seeing tonight, we'll continue to see into chapter 11. And again, if you've missed this, I just invite you again to kind of go back and see it and, and put it all together because it's a fascinating journey to understand. But let me give you a recap. Let me kind of just try to draw you up to where we left off last week so we can dive straight into it this evening and see that which God has for us. So three different stories. The first story that we're noting here in the book of Acts, and specifically in this section, is a reminder that Jesus is building his church. Yeah, that's really one of the big themes in the book of Acts that we've talked about. It really isn't a human work. It really is divine. That Jesus said he would build his church, and he's doing that. In fact, he's doing it exactly the way he said he would do it. In Acts 1, it told, him, it told us that the gospel would go forward to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Well, here in Acts 10, we're right at one of these just incredible moments where that next step is about to be crossed. Up to this point, really, the gospel has made it through some, up to through Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. They've yet to take the gospel uh, to the Gentiles. And so now we're here where that's taking place, where this moment's about to happen. But one of the things I just want to highlight for you and then continue to point out through the evening is, boy, this isn't a man-made work. This isn't, you know, the apostles coming up with this. This isn't something they're planning or making happen. God's doing it. God's doing it. God's bringing his people into the midst of this. God's moving that forward. And that's kind of an exciting reality to understand. And if you can see it there, well, I want to tell you it's still true today. 
Uh, we still live in that space that Jesus has promised to build his church, and he's still in the business of doing that, and it's an exciting and comforting reality to be able to kind of rest in that, and so certainly that's a part of what we want to see in the midst of this is just this reminder of what Jesus is doing. At the same moment, we get an incredible moment to watch God rescue and save a man named Cornelius. Uh, he's the Gentile, the, the one who's going to be the first one to get, get saved, and yet his own journey is a fun one to watch uh, as we're going to watch him come to Christ this evening. We're going to watch him get saved, and yet we, we, we began just looking over his journey. We saw that he, though he was a Gentile, he was a God-fearer. He began to recognize there is a God, began to recognize that there's a true God, and he began to seek him. It became what we, uh, in church history, would often call a seeker, one who's not yet saved but is doing exactly what the Bible said. And then God spoke to him. God spoke to him and told him exactly where and how he was to hear that gospel. He tells him to send some of his men down the coast 30 miles from Caesarea down to Joppa and go get Peter. And he says, Peter is going to give you the word. And, and so he's done that. I mean, that's kind of where we are. Cornelius has done this. He sent these men to Peter, and yet at the same moment as God is doing the big work in, in just carrying the gospel forward in the world, he's doing a saving work in, in the midst or Cornelius, he's also doing a work inside of Peter uh, to bring him along so that he would be able to walk in that story, that he'd be able to see those things that are there. And last week we noted four things, four things that have really been taking place in Peter's life to get him to this moment. First of all, there's just some providence. I mean, there's just, he just is in Joppa. God gets him there. And there's kind of a, a fun story in the midst of that because it's in the same place that Jonah rebels against uh, God sending him to the Gentiles. And so there's some providence happening in there. There's some growing in grace. Uh, he's staying at the Tanner's house, which already is kind of pressing some of his uh, beliefs in the midst of it. But even more excitingly, God begins to prep him. He gives him a vision that uh, kind of calls him to obey, to be willing to walk in the things that God has. And all of that brings Peter to a moment that God just tells him to go. In fact, once you notice it there, you're in Acts chapter 10. Back it up just for a moment. And, and it just, you know, see it there in verse 19. It says, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Great little exhortation in a moment there. So he says, okay, Peter, I've sent these guys. I want you to go. And just telling him not to doubt, which again is one of those reminders, God doesn't speak unnecessarily. I mean, he's telling Peter not to doubt because Peter's going to doubt. And he's going to say, hey, I want you to go. I want you to go. And so Peter went down, verse 21 to the men who had been sent to him for Cornelius, he said, yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And, and they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in, lodged them, and on the next day Peter went away with them and some of the brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So that's where we are. I mean, we covered all of that last week. That's just a quick recap that gets us up to this moment, and that's what we want to kind of look through. But I want to just pause for a moment and just say, you know, I mean, all of this is exciting because not only, again, is it a story of the past, it's a story of the present. Because I want you to understand something. Jesus is still building his church. He is still moving forward. He's doing that today as much as he did it that way. And people are being saved. People are being saved. God is drawing to himself those that would be saved. Maybe it would be some even here this evening. Maybe it'd be somebody watching online that God would be drawing. That's an exciting reality that day by day, God would be drawing. At the same moment, he is navigating his people to be involved in that. He's doing it with Peter. But can I just take a, a quick moment and say for most of you this evening, this is right where you are. You're in that space where you know Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, and yet your life is meant to be weaving into the, the things that he's doing so that what God does with Peter 
becomes a, a window into just a reminder of how he wants to do things in your life. Now, again, specifics change. I mean, the way he exactly did it, it was, was unique for Peter, but much of the, the realities are the same. So I could look at you and say, hey, God is a God who's working in providence. That is, he's working in supernatural ways that you don't even understand or see. He has a way of navigating and getting you where he wants to get you there. I mean, without you even knowing it, he can do that. And then he's growing you. He's trying to grow you to be more like him, growing you in grace so that he's tearing down things that would be against that. And then he has a way of graciously softening us up. I mean, just doing things into our lives that prepare us for what he has for us. Sometimes you have no idea. Uh, many times you don't. You know, you'll find yourself going through some circumstance, going through some situation, and only afterwards you're like, oh, <laughs> that's why, because this was coming and God was kind of getting me ready for it so that when it came to pass, when an invitation from God came, that you would be able to take that step where you would say, okay, God is telling me to do this or is giving me this invitation to do that. And I just want to tell you, that's absolutely what he's doing with every one of us. That's absolutely what he's doing with every one of us. I love that uh, familiar verse that we often talk about in Ephesians 2.10 that tells us where is workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has gone ahead of us to prepare so that we could walk in them. Hey, that's what this is. So once more, I mean, it's fun just to see the story. It's fun to watch how this happens, but I hope it weaves into your story. I hope you find yourself beginning to see things that he would invite you to be a part of that. And so now we're going to watch that take place. We're going to spend much of our evening looking at Peter, though we'll kind of look at the other two as well, with exhortations that would just be interesting for us to kind of see what God does with Peter and make some applications uh, into our life. And once more, by God's grace, may he weave it into your life right where you are. So we've seen these four things. We've seen the four kind of things that lead to this moment where we see providence, we see grace, we see growing, we see being prepared, we see now he's being obedient. God says go, he goes. God says go into the midst of this, he tells him to go, and he exactly, you know, kind of steps into that and walks in it. In the midst of that, it's worth knowing that there is an invitation to walk wisely. What do I mean by that? Well, we just read it there in verse 23, but I just want to make sure you kind of catch it because it's not an unimportant reality. You know, he invites these three men in. He lodges them. On the next day, Peter went with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. We'll meet these men throughout the story, and it's an interesting inclusion because it's not always given in other spaces. We watch Peter heal. We watch him do some different parts of the stories, but very clearly this time, he invites a few people with him, and I just want to say that's not unimportant because it's going to play into the midst of this. God says, you know, that on on the basis of two or three witnesses, everything will be established, and there's a space sometimes where, you know, as God opens up doors or opportunities there, that sometimes there's just wisdom in recognizing that, you know, Sometimes walking along with other people, you know, inviting others to be a part of that. So especially here, because Peter's going to be able to say, hey, we were all there. Like, we were all there when this happened. It wasn't just me. Hey, this isn't just going to, you know, rest on my, you know, story. It's, you know, we, there was a group of us who all saw this happen. It's a good little piece of wisdom. It's worth just quickly noting that in many places in our lives, such wisdom should be natural. Jesus told us that we are to be, you know, wise as serpents, harmless as doves, and that should be true even in the way we navigate kind of walking in the things of God, that in many ways there is a place of wisdom and, and sometimes just saying, hey, you know, be, be, be in a place where if, if you can, do it together, do it with others, be a, a part that that gets to walk in things that God would do in the midst of that. Well, that being said, in, in the midst of it, so he gets to walk in this, he does so in, in that space uh, of, of walking together. Then we get to it. They make their way up from, from Joppa up to Caesarea. Verse 24 says, the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up. I myself am also a a man. Hey, crazy kind of thing. Can you imagine it for a moment? I mean, there's this Peter, and this guy just, I mean, he falls down, and he begins worshiping Peter. Hey, good little reminder needed, honestly, in our lives. Hey, don't be one that accepts people's worship. 
Don't be one that accepts that to happen. Now, that might sound foreign to you. You might be like, well, that's never going to happen, but then it probably has. For some of you, it has. I mean, maybe you've had somebody who, you know, began to see you as, you know, super holy, you know, and like, oh, you know, it's, oh, you're here now, okay. You've walked into the room, you know, now that changes everything, you know, and, and, and sometimes people can begin to do that, and Peter is just very clear, like, hey, wait, don't do that. Don't, don't put me in that space. I'm just like you. I mean, we're on the same page here. We're, we're just people. And that is, an, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you how dangerous and how often this happens and, and how sometimes it could even go to our own heads. I mean, it's a weird space. Peter could have begun to believe it. I mean, he's been a part of Pentecost. He's been a part of seeing the gospel go uh, to the Samaritans. He's been a part of, of so many things. He could have stepped into this moment and go, well, you know, I am Peter, you know. It's like, you know, they, you know I am, you know, kind of, you know they're going to call me the Pope in a few years. No, it's not really. That's not really. But um, so, uh, you know, but he's like, no, no, like, I don't do that. Like, I, you know, no, you, I'm a man. I mean, that's, that's all I am right now, and, and that's a good space for us just to be just aware of. If we're going to walk in the things that God has for us, there comes a space where, you know, is equally as much. We need to just be a place where we don't let anybody kind of put us into a place that is different than that, that, that begins to see us as if we aren't just like, hey, we're, I'm just like you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a woman. I, I, I have the same struggles. I mean, that's the place that God longs for our lives to be. And so Peter very, very well just says, no, don't do that. You know, don't, don't, don't be the one because I myself am also a man. It goes on in verse 20. You know, you know, by the way, sorry, I meant to put a verse up there as I was thinking about it. I like it that we read it in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just you know, in our sections that we're on Sunday morning, where Paul just simply says, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Simply saying, hey, we're not here to tell people that we're amazing. You know, we're not here to preach ourselves. We're here to preach Christ. I mean, we're here to say he's absolutely amazing. And so don't be that one that accepts worship. Well, again, we watch this whole thing happen. He's not going to walk in the midst of that. And then Peter gives us this thought. It says in verse 27, And as he talked with them, he went in and found many who had come together. And he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go with one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Hey, we're going to see him say this again as he begins his message in a moment, but I could just pause and say this. Hey, if we're going to walk in the things that God has for us, there is a definite need of overcoming prejudice. Now, I got to be honest. I'm just going to take just a moment to go to talk about this, and, and, and there's no way I'm going to fully uh, unpack it, and you might even, you know, just want to chew on it or even ask questions later or even disagree but let's just begin by saying prejudice and racism hey, are huge things. They've been a part of, uh, of human history. Uh, it's been a part that, uh, of things that have created barriers uh, you know, between people and, and, and the gospel for generations. And it is a big problem. It is a big problem. And in our lives, it's one of those places that God will often kind of challenge that in our lives. That said, we live in a really weird world. Um, I don't know where you land, uh, you know, with the whole critical race theory and uh, things that are being kind of pushed in our culture. Um, I'm just going to kind of just speak on my own little platform here, just my own space and say, boy, it is creating more confusion than it is help. Instead of solving racial problems, it seems to be creating them. Instead of tearing down barriers, it's raising them. Instead of kind of making spaces that we would find ourselves saying, hey, we're just people. Like, you and me, I mean, that's really where the Bible would call us to be, to the place of saying, hey, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither, you know, rich nor poor, um, that that place where Paul would be able to say later in the book of Acts, hey, we all come from one blood, that we are, we are, we are people, we are people, and, and every person needs the gospel, and every person needs that, that's a really good thing. Much that's happening in our culture, at least in my mind, is not going it, it's making it much, much worse. And again, that's probably just satanic in many ways. I think it absolutely is. It's certainly something uh, we wouldn't endorse. But I want to leave that and say, because here's the problem. If I'm right, and again, this is just my opinion, 
Because of sin, we've probably already had struggles. Honestly, probably most of us did. Probably most of us have some kind of, you know, natural prejudice in the midst of the place. It would, if, if critical race theory is doing what I think it's doing, um, instead of, you know, kind of creating a level playing field that we see, it, it's, it's actually building those, you know, walls in our lives. And I just want to tell you, God will bring you against that. Uh, God will, 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 will tear that down in your life. Uh, that there's a space that he's going to be doing this. And sometimes he'll do it by kind of forcing you into those spaces that kind of cross your prejudice, that, that, that do this. And I love how Peter just says this. I mean, he just looks here and he, he says, you know, hey, this is a weird thing. Like me, you here, Jew, Gentile, like this shouldn't, I mean, this isn't happening in many other spaces. Uh, this is, isn't the way, you know, that it works in, in many other places. But I like how he says, says but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. I just pointing it out and, and just tell you, God is a pretty faithful God in this. And he'll do a work in you. And sometimes it'll press you. Some of you, again, some of it actually is racial. Uh, it's skin color. Some of you it's not, but maybe it's economics or maybe it's uh, age. Maybe you're really comfortable with older people. You're not comfortable with younger people or vice versa. And it's a funny thing how God will be like, I'm going to show you. Like, you can't do that. You, you can't be in that space that would treat anybody, you know, that, that you should be there. And ultimately, it comes down to the gospel. Again, in the middle of our whole kind of crazy racial, critical race theory world right now, I just invite you to be that place that you would say, I want everybody to be saved. I, I mean, give me, give me an opportunity to talk to somebody young or old, rich or poor, you know, no matter what racial, you know, place they are, no matter what their cultural expression is, even if I'm, you know, don't like the, you know, kind of the way they dress or uh, any of those things. I mean, God, I mean if, I would, if God would give me an opportunity for the gospel, then I would be like, okay, you know, uh, I'll do that. And it's just a funny thing how faithful God is to do this. And again, you don't have to create it. God will do it for you. Uh, but if you're, you know, again, you'll probably be one of those spaces. You'd be like, not them, God. Like somebody else. Like, you know, give me that. Don't put me, don't, don't give me that. You know, like that's not, and, it's, and God's like, hey, I'm just showing you. I'm just showing you that you can't do that. Um, because that's really the space that God does that. And, and it's a big space because that prejudice um, that space where we view people differently, it becomes a barrier to the gospel, and God will just tear it down. He's always seeking to tear this down. He is always seeking to do that. And so, again, it's just worth noting, and I'll just uh, pass that now and just say, hey, if you're going to walk in what God has for you, he will often make you kind of get into that space. You have to overcome that. So we're watching all that happen. Then we get to one of my favorite pieces of this whole thing, or at least the space that I find God just speaking into my own life um, in the midst of this. And so he tells them that, and then he just says it this way in verse 29. He says, therefore, I came without objection. I mean, because God is kind of you know, tearing down these barriers. He's tearing down all this. I came without objection uh, as soon as I was sent for, and I asked them, for what reason? <laughs> Have you, have you sent for me? Just want you to pause that for a second and just walk around this question with me. What a crazy question. One of the things that I find true is that if we're going to walk in the things that God has for us, we need to be able to walk in Him directing our lives, even if He calls us to do it ignorantly or calls us to do it not leaning on our own understanding, right? You guys know the verse, right? It's one of those famous verses that probably many of you guys know by heart. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Hey, just pause and just think about it. I know this is just like familiar territory, but I just want you to think about it. God has inviting. He says, I'll direct you. I'll, I'll direct your life. I'd be, I will direct your life. Now, that is great news for me. I'm like, cool, I'm in, let's do that. Like, I, I want you to direct my life. But then there's a few things that go with it. One, you, God says, you're gonna have to trust me. You're gonna trust me with all your heart. You're gonna have to come to the place that's like, God, I know you're good. And I'm gonna, you know, whatever you have is gonna be good. So uh, at the end of the day, I need to be at a place of saying, God, I implicitly say, hey, your, your, your will is always the best course, course for my life. And so that's part of it. I mean, just to a place that we trust him. 
We also need to acknowledge him, like ask, invite him into our life, um, recognize who he is, acknowledges this cool word that has the idea not of just a request, but knowing him uh, in the midst of that. Like we bring him into our whole life. Like, God, I'm going to invite you into my job. I'm going to invite you into my, I mean, you're just going to be a part of my life. That's important. But the thing that just kind of rubs me the wrongest way or the thing that I struggle with the most is that second part of it. And don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your understanding. See, that's the hard part. I find myself saying, I'll do whatever God wants me to do. I trust him. Just explain it. <laughs> just, just help me to understand why. You know, why am I supposed to do that? And sometimes it doesn't work that way. But here's my struggle. And I'm just going to be as honest as I can about this. I'm a little bit worried that sometimes I wonder if I might miss God because I'm so bad about this I'm, I'm a little bit of a planner. I'm a little bit of a planner, so I like to plan things out. I like to know, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this, and we're going to do that there. And so sometimes as I'm thinking about doing something, it's like as soon as I figure it out, as soon as I figure it out, I'd be glad to do it. You know, like I'd be glad, I mean, just to be Peter, and he's like showing, he's like, so, why am I here? You know, I don't even, I'm like, I know I'm supposed to be here, but I have no idea. Like, I don't, I, 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 don't, I have, like, could you help me understand? I mean, I find myself thinking, I wonder if I'd actually go. I mean, I wonder, I'd be like, okay, God, as soon as you give me, tell me what it is. Like, why, what do you want me to do? I mean, I'll go. I'll go to Cornelius' house, but I, I just, I, I'd like to know ahead of time, like, where, what this is going to look like, or what am I supposed to be doing? You know, I mean, how, I mean, I can't, I can't go without knowing, and yet sometimes that's exactly what God would invite us to. It's like, do you trust me? You could just step. I mean, and you'll figure it out. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll guide your steps. I'll, I'll guide you in the midst of that, and that's what Peter does. And I find myself fascinated by it. I find myself absolutely fascinated that he's able to kind of walk in what God is doing and do so again without even understanding all that God is doing. By the way, I didn't put it back you know, up there, but if we went back to the first part of it, that's a big part of this whole story, right? That Jesus is building his church. And so ultimately, it comes down to a place of us not controlling life, not being in charge of life, not being in charge of even what God is doing, but saying, God, I just want to walk in what you're doing. I want to see that. I want to be willing to do that. And, and yet, I don't know, maybe, maybe for some of you, you would just admit you're kind of in the same struggle where I am. And, and, and some of it is just downright sin. It's downright arrogance. It's downright a place that a little bit that back from the Garden of Eden, we want to play God. We want to know. We want to control everything. Like, we want to be in control of everything. We want to know how, when, what's going to happen. And instead of saying, I'm not God. I don't have to know. All I have to know is he said, do it. That's all I know. I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know uh, what God's going to do with that. Um, but I just want to be able to say, okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to do it because he said do it. You know, I mean, that's just how this whole thing works out. And I think that's a beautiful space to be. And yet, for some of us, it's the rub. And, and if we're wanting God to direct our steps, then we're going to have to be in the place of saying, God, I do trust you. I am bringing you into my, all my life, and I don't have to understand. I just need to say yes. Uh, and I, I can say yes without knowing what you're going to do with that. And I can say yes without trying to figure out the whole story. And Peter does that. And because of that, he's able to step, you know, right into the midst of this, which is an incredibly cool part of the story. Well, going back to it. So we're watching this whole thing. Peter's there. Let's flip the story over to Cornelius for a moment. So we'll put him back up here. We're watching, right? Here's this guy. He, he believes in God. He's seeking. He's been told how to hear. But now watch what he does. Verse 30, so Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea, and when he comes, he will speak to you. So Cornelius says, So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. 
Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all things commanded you by God. Cneus is in a great moment right now. He's in a moment that he's seeking God. He, he said, okay, you know, hey, this is how you're going to hear. And in, in somebody else's life, it might be, hey, they're seeking God, and they're like, go to church. <laughs> Why don't you go to that church? And it's like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And yet in this space, he's not just there. He's not just obeying. He's in a space where he's going to be one who hears. That he, that I like the way it says it there at the end, in verse 43. He is present before God to hear. That's a good moment. That's a good moment. Think about how it tells us in, in Romans so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how people get saved, that they hear, that they're in a space where the gospel is being proclaimed or the word of God is, is moving out and they're hearing that. And that's exactly where he is right now. Like he is listening. He, he, he's hearing what God has to say. He, he, he's, well, he wants to hear, excuse me, what God, he's like, I'm, I'm here. Like, I'm here to hear. Like, I, I'm here, and I'm ready to hear what God has to say. What a good space. What a good space. I mean, honestly, we try to get there, right? I mean, that's what we try to do every time we begin a Bible study. We're like, hey, let's, let's ask. Let's ask God to give us ears to hear. Let's be present before God to hear. But for someone who's, who's coming to Christ, it becomes so essential and, and, and just an incredible part of that story. And maybe you're here. Maybe that's someone on, in here this evening, maybe online, and God is drawing you. You're not here by accident. And he's inviting you to hear his word. Well, more on that for a moment. Let's flip it back over. So Peter's walking in this. He's walking in this direction. And then he does just the, 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 the most amazing and wonderful part of it. He preaches Jesus. He preaches the gospel. And he does an amazing job. I mean, which is a big part of our story in the book of Acts. I mean, that, that the book of Acts is about the gospel going forward, about the message of Christ and Peter takes this moment, and he's going to absolutely share that. So I just want to kind of read that with you, and I'm going to try to emphasize it as best I can with my words so that we continually hear, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus that he's preaching, it's Jesus that he's proclaiming. Notice it there, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Pausing again, partiality, no. <laughs> I mean, that same thing we talked about, racism and prejudice and partiality. Peter's like, I figured it out. Like, God is not that way. He, he doesn't, have, doesn't do that. Like anybody who would seek him, he would work in that. He says, I figured that out. And so now he just begins to tell him the story of Christ. Verse 36, the word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Now all people, to all the people, but to, to witnesses chosen by God, even to us, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Wow, I mean, he's preaching Christ. And again, I just want to tell you, hey, that's our message. We talked about that Pat verse just a moment ago. We don't preach ourselves, we're preaching Jesus. And he does a great job. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you about Jesus and tell you what you guys know. I mean, he was born, he lived, you guys know his story. You know where that went. I mean, he was crucified. He, he was hung on a tree, but God raised him from the dead. And now he's the one who's bringing life. And it's about believing in him. It's about believing in him. And it's worth just kind of pausing and saying something we've tried to say throughout the book of, the, book of Acts. That's the gospel. 
I think you probably know that, and yet it's a funny, weird thing that sometimes we just need to be reminded, what is the gospel? The gospel is not the church. It's not good works. It's not love. It's not just everybody be kind. The gospel is Christ. It's that God sent his son uh, to die on the cross and rise again from the grave, and everything centers around him. I mean, that's, that's the hope in our world today, so that we could say that everything's pointing there, verse 23, that all the prophets, the whole Bible is pointing that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. I mean, it's by believing in Christ. It's in, in, in that reality that, that we're called to do. It's in that incredible moment that that's what we're supposed to be giving. And again, I feel like in some ways, maybe I'm saying the most basic of things, but I just want to strengthen it in you. Hey, if you're going to share the gospel, you're going to tell your neighbor or your coworker or somebody online, it's Christ. If you don't get it here, if you're not preaching Jesus, you're not, you're, you're not giving the gospel. If all you are doing is answering technical questions about, uh, you know, whatever it is that people are asking, because people ask lots of questions, you know, but it, it gets here. It's like, hey, can I... All this is possible because of Jesus. I mean, so you want to know about the end times? I'd be glad to tell you, but it's all possible because of Jesus. Uh, you want to know how, how, how we think about, you know, poverty? Well, here's what we think, but, it, you know, here's what Jesus. I mean, it's always going to get back to, hey, it's Jesus. Like, we have one message. We have one message, and it's Christ. It's him that we're proclaiming. It's him that we're supposed to be giving. And so Peter does exactly that, and he just does a stupendous job and wonderful in the midst of all of that watching it. So we're watching him do this. I mean, doing exactly what Jesus said, hey, tell people about me. Witness me. Be my witnesses, uh, he said in Acts 1.8, and, and they're doing that. Let's flip it over for a moment to Cornelius. So we're watching him. So here's this God-fearer who's seeking, who's been directed how to hear, and he's present to hear, and Peter preaches the gospel. He tells them all about Jesus. He begins to, to give them this whole thing, and then notice what happens there in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Hey, just pause. Just walk around this for a moment. He gets saved. This is where he believes. This is where he's saved. This is where the Holy Spirit comes upon him, which is the promise uh, to everybody who would believe that that would take place. Here in this moment is that moment where Cornelius is radically born again. I mean, it's this incredible, you know, glorious work where Jesus said, whoever so who would believe upon me, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe, he'd be saved. And he is saved. I love that God is doing this. Uh, again, we're all, if you're a follower of Jesus this evening, that happened at some point in your life. At some space, you, you came to that place where the gospel was preached and you believed, and yet we're still longing for this to happen. Now, I just want to walk around this very, very quickly. And I don't want to say a whole lot because I don't want to make it confusing, but maybe it'd be helpful. One of the exciting things about this is this guy gets saved right in the middle of Bible study. I mean, Peter's preaching, and in the midst of Peter preaching, he believes. He believes. Why do I point that out? Well, a little bit because we're Americans. Uh, a little bit because we've come down to the place that uh, the gospel itself has become sometimes uh, a manufactured thing. Uh, that uh, we almost think, well, you know, yeah, to get saved, you know, you're going to have to say the sinner's prayer. I mean, like, you're going to have to do that. You know, like, you got you to say this. You got you to gotta say these things in order to get saved. And so, yeah, you know, that has to happen this way. Now, again, I want to say this carefully, but as precisely as I can. I'm not um, someone who is standing against the sinner's prayer. I'm not somebody who hates it. Uh, you know, I gotta be all together honest. Sometimes I've thought, you know, I, I love people getting saved. Maybe we should, you know, you know, give that as an opportunity more even here at times, just because Americans kind of think that way. And I'm not totally opposed to it. That said, I'm also not totally for it because it's just not in the Bible. I mean, it's never the way it happened, uh, you know, in the midst of it. And sometimes we have this kind of human kind of thing. But I love just watching this. I love just thinking, you know, here's so good. Just imagine it could be like right now. I mean, like right at this moment. We could be reading this. I could have just been reading about Jesus, and somebody right here or watching online would have been like, I believe. And no fanfare, no, no, hey, you have to say these 14 things just right. Um, it's just, I believe. And in that moment, you're saved. 
I mean, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a real thing that can't be ultimately controlled by us, but it's absolutely controlled by God, and I love that. I, I love that it is so. I love that he's the one that's doing this, and again, Peter's not manipulating this. He's not, you know, he's not trying to, you know, kind of create the moment uh, into the midst of that, which can be, again, a dangerous thing. And I could spend more time on that. I've done that in times past. I just don't want to go there. It's enough to just simply say, I like watching it. I like watching somebody get saved. And I love how real, just how natural uh, it is in the midst of this and just, just believing that God can do that. And again, again, I joy where he's done it in you, but I joy still doing it. And again, if that's you this evening, if that's right now where you are, believe right where you are. Believe upon Jesus and be saved. Believe upon him. Recognize who he is. Surrender your life to him. It's not, it's not an interaction with me. You don't have to walk you know, through some you know, signing papers or you know, jumping through some hoops that I create. This is an interaction between you and God. You can believe upon him right now and, and be saved. I love that he does that, and I love that we could look for that, and it's a good, good space. Well, we watch all of that, and we watch all of that happening. We watch everything that's in the midst of this, and so now we just flip back uh, to Peter, and again, I just want you to feel, and kind of the the weight of the things that are happening, and and the weights of the things, so he's there. You know, he's just like, he he didn't come in prepared for this moment. He didn't know what he was going to do. This wasn't like something like, well, I wrote all this down ahead of time, because I knew exactly what I was going to share. He's like, I don't even know why I'm here, and they're like, hey, we just we were told that you were going to tell us about Jesus. So he's like, okay, I'll tell you about Jesus. Tells them what he knows. Like, hey, I just want to remind you of things you know. Hey, Jesus is, and, and he came, and he died, and he rose again, and he told, you know, he rose from the grave. He told us to preach the gospel, and as Peter's saying all of that, this guy gets saved. So you watch all this there, again, in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, like right in the middle of the message. While he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they'd heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, "Um, can anyone forbid that these should not be baptized who received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay a few days. One of the fun things that Peter begins to do, and again, this is a big part of the story. It's going to be a big part of the story as we go into, into, into chapter 11. It's Peter's like, um, can anybody, you know, God just saved these people? I mean, who could say no to this? I mean, who could say no to what he just did? He just did this. He's like, we all recognize this. Again, this goes back to that walking in wisdom because Peter's not the only one here. He's brought other people with him. And they're like, you were here, right? <laughs> like, we all saw this. We saw these people get saved. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, just like we were back in, in, at Pentecost, there's definitely a mark of God in this moment. They're like, hey, we, we can do nothing but agree with God. We can do nothing but say, hey, God is in this, and we recognize it. And I like that. And I want to just bring back to you again that that's a big part of the story. It's a big part of how everything happens. So we're thinking through all of this, and uh, I just want to take that one back up to that first part where we saw at the beginning. When we think about the church, we think about what God is doing. I mean, he's doing this. He's, he's the one who's building his church. He's the one who's still working this. And one of our big challenges isn't to create what God is doing, but to acknowledge where he's doing it and say, okay, God, that's what you're doing. I, I want to I be there. Uh, I, I want to see what you're doing. And when you do it, I just want to be like, God, that was you. This, this, is, this was your plan. This was your unpacking. Uh, this is the way that you happened. And I'll just tell you, church history looks that way. It's not a man. It's not, it's not, it's not created by men. Wherever God makes the gospel go forward, at the end of the day, it's him who's doing it. And part of us is that place of being able to just say, okay, God, I'm going to be one who does that. That's where Peter is in walking in that. And that's where I invite you. I invite you to be in that space of, of longing to see him do that, longing to see him bring all of that to pass and continue doing that. So let's kind of walk back through these 10 things again. Let's just, you know, we, we've walked through them, we've watched it, and again, I think I'll tell you, it's, a, it's, it's so much a part of Peter's story. There are things here that are uniquely in this moment, and yet at the same moment, just watching how God does this, 
reminds us of things that he wants to do in you. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that is in your life, but I'll remind you of a few things. God is providentially working. He is navigating your life whether you see it or not. And there'll be times he just puts you in the right space at the right time. He's trying to grow you so that you're hopefully becoming more like Jesus, that he's tearing down your prejudices. He's tearing down things that are there and, and, he's, and he's dealing with those things. And we ought to be growing in that grace. And then he's doing things that prepare you. He's doing things that will just kind of get your heart into the right space so that when he's ready, he can say, hey, do this. And when he does, you just want to be that kind of person that would say yes. God, yes. I mean, you, say, you say go, I say yes. You know, you say we do this. I, I want to be obedient to what you have, walking wisely, you know, walking at times, bringing others into it, making it so that it, it couldn't go wrongly for that. At the same moment, making sure that when we step towards those things, don't let it become about you. Don't steal the glory. Don't let it be worshiping you because it will always go wrong. Overcome your prejudice and walk in his direction, which kind of goes back into that place of obedience. We're saying, okay, are you willing? Are you willing for God to direct you even if you don't understand what he's doing? Even if you don't understand where it's gonna go or, or, or what God's gonna do with it? Are you willing to say, God, okay, God, if you, if you want me to do something, I, be, I wanna do that, I wanna do that, I wanna walk in that, and if he does that, Boy, we're always about Jesus. I mean, everything we are is preaching Christ. Everything we are is about saying it's centered in Christ. Life is in Christ. The life for the unbeliever, the life for the believer. It's all about Jesus. And then when we see it, to be able to say, God, you did that. You did that. And I just want to acknowledge that. It's a good space for our lives. And I don't know where that weaves into your life. I don't know where you see that in this moment. But I just know God's doing it. I know this is still so much a part of his work. I know that he is still the God that works it this way, and he's inviting you to be a part of it. He's inviting you. He's inviting me to say that, that we could be you know, in this place where he could work through our lives so that we, you know, these three kinds of stories that are still the present stories, the big story, the big story that is worldwide right now, that God is building his church, the big story that goes back to the cross, that goes, goes to the rapture of Christ, God is doing a big work that's still happening today. People are still getting saved, and he's still leading us in what he has for us. And all those things he's weaving together in a beautiful way that would invite us to be a part of it. So let's do this. You can close your Bibles, uh, notebooks, whatever that is, and maybe you know right what it is. Maybe as we think about this whole, you know, kind of thing, maybe you're looking at even these 10 things, and you're like, well, those are interesting, but I know which one I'm on. I, I, I know like right now, that's the one that I'm not doing well. Or maybe you don't. Uh, maybe you're kind of looking, I don't know. Maybe you just want to be able to say, God, I, I, I want to be willing uh, to walk in that. One way or another, I invite you to take a moment with me. Let's just go before him and ask him that he would bring our lives into a place of usefulness, that he would help us uh, to be able to walk in the good things that he's doing and, and see that in our lives. So let's just ask him for that right now. Would you join me in prayer? God, you're amazing God. I love that you're still doing your work. I love that the reality of the church today, the reality of the church from the beginning, is you. Uh, you're building your church. You're doing it through people. You're doing it in spite of people. God, you're, you're doing a, a good work, and I love that you are. Thank you. You're saving people. God, for those of us who are yours tonight, you saved us. You brought us from death to life. Thank you. You're still doing that today. God, do it again. Do it some more. What if there's anybody tonight that's just here or tuning in online? That's them. Bring them to you. Bring them to, to hear and to believe and be saved. Do it some more. And yet, Lord, your work continues through the life of every one of us in Christ. You've promised us that that good work in, that you've started in us, you're faithful to continue working, to complete it until the day of Christ. You've said that we're your workmanship created in Christ for good works that you've prepared. I love that you are that. I love that you're doing that. God, bring us alongside that we 
I'm not missing how you want to weave our lives into the story. God, we watched how you directed Peter, how you were able to get him to come alongside, to, to, to walk in your good work that you've prepared for him. Thank you for doing that. God, thank you that you're still doing that in us. And so, Lord, I just want to bring all of us who are followers of Christ here this evening and say, God, look upon us. Help us. Help us to be walking in what you would have us to walk in. Help us not to miss it. Think of your word to to Esther, that you would speak to her that for such a time as this, she would be where she was, that she could be used. If she'd failed, you would have used somebody else, but she would have missed it. Don't let us miss it. God, I bring my life before you and then every life here, and and Lord, it may be that for some of us, there's one of these things that's just standing out as the issue that we're struggling with right now, the issue that we're wrestling with and thinking that that might be what's hindering, that might be what's keeping me from that next thing that you have. God, I don't know what that would be. Our lives are different in different spaces, but I know you're a faithful God, and so whatever that is, I just want to bring it before you and say, Lord, if it's tearing down some prejudice, if it's making us willing to walk in your guidance even though we don't understand, if it's a space where you would invite us to just grow and, and things that you're trying to make us more useful in, Lord, you know. But bring us to it this evening in a way that would navigate our lives and bring us into the space that you have for us. Here we are. Here we are, God. Don't let us just be listening to this as if we're watching a story, as if we're watching a TV show or a movie, and then we leave without um, it doing anything in us. Well, take your truth and just weave it so that Tonight, we find ourselves being brought forward and into what you have. I trust you in that. I trust that you know what you're doing. I trust that you have the big picture and you're working in the world and you're working in lives. I know that you're that God. I just want to be a part of whatever you have me to be a part of. God, bring us into that space and do your good and glorious work. We ask for that as we just leave this and trust it into your care this evening. We do that together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.